Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Planning for 2023, it's such an important thing to do. What is the first step you should do though, is look back at your numbers from 2022. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line, Financial Besties Edition. Joining me, as per usual, is Frances Shagan. Welcome, Frances. Hi, great to be here. Well, I'm really excited. This is a really cool subject to be talking about. And the first step, of course, like we said, is get your numbers up to date. And that means getting all your bookkeeping done. And, and even if your year fiscal year end isn't December 31st. Even if we're not even at the end of December, there's a lot of data that your numbers can show you that, and we're gonna talk about each of those things to look at so that you can be making good decisions going forward about your strategy for next year. Now, Francis, as a bookkeeper slash CFO slash all the beautiful things you do, when you talk to people about their numbers as they're evaluating or getting them together, what are some of the other things that you talk about with your clients? Um, so numbers are important, but also values. Um, it's really important that you know what's important to you in your business. What are you trying to do with your business more than, to, you know, obviously everybody wants to make a profit and you do well and do good things in the world and, and you know, build a legacy. But what else do you want to do with your business? And the, the really magic part of having a clear idea of what your values are and what you want to do is that it helps you make every decision in your business. Mm. There's no decision that comes along that you can't run against your values to know what the right answer is. So the numbers will um, make sure that, that you're fiscally responsible but then your values will make sure that you're emotionally and, um, you know, part of the community responsible. I'd like to add a layer in on top of that, Francis, if I may. And that is one of the purposes of your business is to fund your life. And we sometimes put that aside. We don't think about that. But there are definite costs to running your personal life. And that's one of the reasons that you have a business is to cover that. And I think that's sometimes forgotten in the, hey, did I get everything out that I wanted to? And how did I do that? Yeah, there's so many people, women especially, um, mm. you know, they, they come to me with their numbers and I'm saying, okay, well, where did you pay yourself? And, yeah. you know, they, they do, but like you say, it's, a, it's about the lifestyle that you've chosen, which again yeah. is part of your values. Yeah, exactly. So we've got that numbers in. So once the numbers are in and you have some, at least some idea, the first step I believe is to look at your top line sales. And I want you to break them out by different product lines, different services you offer. Sometimes they get all lumped in 
to one big number, and that's not necessarily going to help you make strategic decisions moving forward. So you got to break them down by product. Would yeah. you agree, Francis, on that one? Absolutely. You want to be able to um, know how much sales you're getting for each thing you do. And yeah. then I know we're going to go on to this further, but find out how much it costs you to do that right. so that it's not just you know, yes, yes, I can make 70% of my sales doing this, but if it costs me 90% of what I'm doing to do it, then maybe I do the 30 that's only cost me 10. Yeah, I feel like if you have that, uh, it gives you this ability to focus. And so one of the ways that we want you to evaluate, first, we want you to break it down by category or by service line, et cetera, as much as you possibly can. And then we want you to look at what's called your cost of goods sold or in accountant vernacular, your COGS. And so basically, this is the variable cost to deliver your service. Um, one of the things I see sometimes, Francis, is that credit card costs will sometimes get put into overhead, but you know, that 2.9, that 2.4, whatever you're paying is actually a cost of goods sold because you would not have incurred that cost unless you made a sale. Right. And that's and it can the be definition of COGS. And it can be attributed to a specific sale. That's the yes. other way of looking oh, at it. I like yeah. that. Attributed to a specific sale. So when you're thinking about your cost of goods sold, some things to include might be if you're producing physical goods, what are the actual parts that were put into that, that you paid for that? Like, you know, oh, it took widget A and widget B, and this is how much those widgets cost. Okay, we know that. Um, if you're maybe doing a service and you hire an independent contractor to deliver part of that service for you and only on specific clients or specific tasks, then that is typically a cost of goods sold because yeah. it's part of what you have to spend to deliver. And then the, also, if you're paying any affiliate fees or commissions to a salesperson that you can attach strictly to a, um, a particular client, you said, Francis, that also is a cost of goods sold. Any right. other thoughts on that, Francis? Um, you, you can get yourself um, into deep, deep rabbit holes on these things. For yeah. instance, if somebody does sewing, you know, clearly the material is, but then how do you do it with like thread? Right. Um, so for things like that, you usually go into a larger way of looking at it. So you say, how much thread do you buy in a year? How yeah. many pieces do you make? Divide it out. So um, oh, a lot of nice. times those, those things like in the mechanics, there's, you know, nuts and bolts or, you know, there's a lot of little things so that um, you, you can create a number that you can attribute to every sale for those kinds of things. And it just makes it a little bit more accurate. So I love what you're saying here is it's important to know these things, but not to get too bogged down if it's not a massive thing. Right. So that yeah. you're, you're attributing it, but not spending hours and hours figuring out how to attribute it. Exactly. <laughs> that in itself might offset. <laughs> <laughs> so the difference between what you sell something for and your cost of goods sold or what it costs to deliver that product is in accounting language known as your contribution margin. And it is the amount of money that each of your clients or each of your services helps is available to help pay for your overhead. And so that's a different kind of costs. Francis, how would you define overhead? Overhead are the costs of running your business that are not attributed to a specific sale. So, you know, telephone, rent, internet, you know, kinds of things. Yeah, internet, the kinds of things that you, you 
have to have regardless of whether you make sales or not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a lot of marketing is mm. overhead, yep. whereas sales is usually cost of goods sold. Right. Because you don't know what marketing piece may have got you the job. That's interesting. Uh, I'll give you an example here, Blackstar. So to help break it down even further, when we have a client who joins us, we have our credit card fees for the service that they paid for, but we also have a welcome kit that we send out that is, uh, we only send it out when a client comes on board. So that would be a cost of goods sold. We have an independent contractor that helps us with our data analysis on every plan. That would be a cost of goods sold. Whereas when we look at some of our overhead, we have a very kind of very cool client portal that we pay for. And we also have a unique risk tolerance questionnaire that we use with everybody that is completely different. And those are paid on monthly subscriptions. So I can't attribute it to a particular client. So that is why I, I call those overhead numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, when we also look at overhead costs, once you've taken a look at those, it's, it's always a good idea sometimes to just take a look. And even if it's just once a year, and I have um, three uh, recommendations. I wrote a blog post on this just recently, Francis. And my first advice is when you're looking at your overhead expenses in particular, is where can you stop donating? And that is, what are you subscribing to that you don't use anymore? or maybe not as much as you need to, or not, it's not enough to make it worthwhile anymore. I think sometimes, you know, we've all signed up for the free uh, nine month or three month period. Next thing you know, the bill shows up and we're not paying attention to it because we're so, so busy with everything else. Use this opportunity of the year in review to just take a look at, are you, are you donating money to a software company that the money might be better served in your pocket? Yeah. Your business is making a profit, you're growing, but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. Don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your financial diagnostic score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. The yes. second thing is to start shopping, which sounds a little counterintuitive, doesn't it, Francis? It does indeed. Let's <laughs> shop to save money. <laughs> right. Well, here's my theory on this is that everything we've done, um, you know, when I set up my cell phone, when I set up my internet, when I set up my banking fees, a lot of times what happened is I did all my research at the time, picked right. the best package, knowing what I know now and knowing what was available. And what I find is over time, sometimes the offers are changed. Sometimes my needs have changed. And sometimes, and you know, and I find myself when I go back and take a look at this, I'm overpaying for something. So sometimes it's good to go shop, get competing quotes and see if I can do a better job, get a better pricing point. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, and that's brilliant. Do that at least once a year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, things change. We don't even realize it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just stopped a service that was costing me $75 a month. Um, right? And it, it, it's, it's funny because it, it 
it's not just the the service it was sort of um aspirational for my business mm. so I, I was paying for it thinking yeah I'm going to grow into it and uh, you know a year later I've decided I'm not going in that direction so you know so there's, donation there's a lot on. going Yes. And we're not talking about philanthropic donations. We're talking about capitalist donations from non-use. Let's be clear. (laughs) So, and then the third thing is to look at your convenience premiums. And there are things that I have, particularly in my personal life. So I'll I'll do a personal example. Uh, You know, when I'm super busy, there are times when I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to pick up the pre-cut vegetables. And we all know that I'm paying extra for them, but it's okay. Or maybe I'm paying for the delivery service or something like that because uh, I'm busy. I didn't, you know, and I fell into the habit of doing that. So now it's an opportunity to go, hey, what am I paying extra for to save time? And is it still worth it? You know, particularly when we're faced with these inflationary pressures right now, gas prices, interest rates, et cetera, sometimes the convenience premiums are becoming a little large. Right. And and they, like you say, they add up, you know, you you do it once and then you just keep doing it and then you do the next one and the next one until your life is very, very convenient, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's why I say evaluate them and say, is it worth it? Because in my mind, it might still be worth it for you, right? Absolutely. And that's why, but being aware of where you're paying those premiums and having that real conversation or analysis around um, what is important to you. Right, um, yeah, understanding your values and making sure yeah. that it's still, still in alignment with that. Mm-hmm. That's the values, that's awesome. And so you have all these numbers, you've cut your overhead, you've understand your contribution margins on all of your products. It also allows you to be able to really see which products are contributing the most. And what's interesting is sometimes those are the ones we don't spend a lot of time on because maybe they're not sexy, but maybe they contribute a lot. So yeah, it's something to think about. And now I have two bonus evaluations, Francis. So for those who are eager and want to go and do some fun really digging in and I have to say I struggle with this work as well because it's not an easy task these ones but they can be quite illuminating and the first one is the cost to acquire a client and the second one is the lifetime value of a client when you think of those statements uh, Francis, what's come up for you? How would you go about figuring out the cost of acquiring a client? Yeah, again, that's one of those ones where generally you bulk up the the costs, so yeah. and then divide it by the the number of people that you acquire, a new you know number of new customers, um, because it's a lot of times you're you're having to try a lot of things yeah. in order to find out what's going to work, and not everything works with everybody, so. It, you know, it becomes a number that gets um, averaged out. Um, the, the more you do of it and the more you record of it, the finer of a detail you can get. But at least at the beginning, do the bulk up. So, you know, here's how much money I pay for ads or for, you know, all those things that you do to acquire customers and then divide it by the number of customers that you get. So how do you deal with time in that? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, the time factor, because 
um, in my mind, if I'm having a sales conversation and it takes three sales conversations or three hours to get one client, I probably should be including all three hours in that, in my calculation, shouldn't I? Yes. Yes, okay. you should. That's all part of it. And I mean, obviously, if you're paying a salesperson, if I'm paying a salesperson, would that be part of my um, cost of acquiring a client is maybe the salary plus commission? Or how would you treat that? Yes. I mean, it's a cost to get a client. So absolutely. Yeah. So all your social media efforts, if you are into public relations at all, um, right. if you're doing... Um, you know, you have a copywriter who writes copy for you to, you know, to attract your clients. Yeah, that's yeah. all going to be included. Yeah, and if you go on podcasts or if you write blog posts or you write articles, um, all of that is part of client acquisition. So all that time has to be taken into consideration Absolutely. as well. And if you do old school things like mail stuff, you should count that in too. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so the cost of acquiring a client and this can vary a lot depending on what you're doing, the level you're doing it at, all that type of stuff. And to compare and contrast that with the lifetime value of a client, mm -hmm. it gives you so much data, right? So if you know the average client buys one thing from you in year one and two things in year two, and maybe they subscribe to this other thing, so you add that all up, then you can actually have a really interesting conversation or review of, well, listen, I, it costs me $1,000 to acquire a client, but I make five. That's yeah. really interesting data to have on hand. That's good math. <laughs> That's the kind of math you like. <laughs> I'll spend that $1,000 all day long, Francis. Exactly. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't right. you, right? But I yeah. think we don't know. I don't think we know. That's right. Yeah. And, and it makes it a lot easier to write those blog posts and to, you know, hire that copywriter and to do those kinds of things, knowing clearly how much money you're going to get in return. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, especially these um, online gurus, I mean, they have it down. They know yeah. I'm going to spend, uh, you know, $1,500 a, a day on ads and I will make three, you know, like they have it so fine tuned. It might take them 90 days. It might take them 365, but they know what the return on that investment is to the penny. Yeah. So and they test, they test all the pieces. Yes. So that they know which ones are actually working and which aren't. And so you fine tune as you go along. Yeah, that's so important. And in particular, as things evolve in the world and, you know, that dreaded yeah. algorithm changes, you may have to change tactics, but at least you understand uh, the value of a client. And is it worth investing in whatever you have to do to get that client? Yeah. Perfect. So these are your numbers. Uh, doing the year in review, uh, you should also, as Francis said, we talked a lot about the quantitative side of things, but there's also a qualitative side. What went right for you? What would you like to improve upon? Um, what will you never do again? <laughs> because I think it's a really good thing to look into the stuff, particularly that didn't work. There's lessons in there because I actually don't believe failure is a big thing. It's a lesson. And if we take the time to go back and dig in, we're going to learn from that lesson. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm giggling because I just had a huge lesson this summer. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. But what happens too is, is that, so this doing this year in the review gives you lots and lots of data. And in our next episode, Francis, we're going to talk about what to do with that 
to plan for the best year ever for 2023. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to that one. See you next time. Wow, there was just so much learning in this episode. Do you want more? I have a special offer for the right entrepreneur, a complimentary one-on-one coaching session that is all about you, your business, and your goals so that you can accelerate your business and start to accelerate the growth of your network. Head over to wealthcoachwithwendy.com. There you will find a letter that kind of outlines all the details of this offer and also an application form. We have an application form because there's such a limited number of of slots that we're opening up for this, that we want to make sure that the people that um, uh, do are successful in getting the slot, we can make the biggest difference with. So head over to wealthcoachingwithwendy.com and apply today. Thanks.